0: I can, I can remember my ordination day vividly, May 21st, 2016, my five classmates, well the four of us and myself, at the Cathedral of St. John the Evangelist downtown, I can remember the whole day so vividly. I can remember waking up, tossing and turning throughout the night, just being so excited about the day. I remember exactly where I sat in the church. I remember the weather, it was gorgeous, I remember the smell of incense. The cathedral, the very specific cathedral incense that was used. Oh man, I can remember so many of those details, where I sat, who was sitting behind me, who was sitting to the left, and just the feeling of being in that place. I can remember lying on the floor. That was a very powerful moment during the Litany of Saints, and I remember lying there and uh, just being so overcome by emotion that... Um, I just was crying, right? I was just crying and snots coming out of my nose and just so overwhelmed. And when we finally did stand up after the litany, I remember thinking and realizing that my face had left this like slippery, snotty puddle on the ground. And then I started becoming very afraid that Bishop Lennon was going to come through the sanctuary and step on my little snot puddle, and I, I just had these images. I had all these images of him wiping out, breaking his hip during the ordination mass. That's what I thought about for most of the rest of my ordination, was him hurting himself because he slipped on my snot. So that was very overwhelming. But I will never forget, after the after the ordination finishes, we go back to the cathedral, uh, the, the, the sacristy, we take the pictures, we get our faculties from the bishop, we unvest putting on our clerics and we step out of the cathedral into the crowd and uh, just being greeted by this massive sea of people who are crying out, Father Patrick. I just remember hearing that for the first time and being so blown away by it, you know, Father. The priests are called Father not out of pity, but in truth in truth that the fatherhood that i bear as a priest is not less real than the fatherhood that you guys have out there it's actually more real and i don't say that to be prideful i don't say that to like boast i say that just so that we realize that the way that these realities work that the spiritual is more real than the physical right grace builds on nature that supernatural fatherhood is more real than biological fatherhood and it's been tough to be a spiritual father these past couple weeks. It's been tough being a priest, as you well know. And the enemy of our human nature, the devil, wants nothing more than Christ's priest to retreat, to pull back, to become functionaries, to stop putting our hearts out there, to stop exercise, exercising our priestly and fatherly authority. And here's the deal. I, I refuse. I refuse to do that. You know, I'm, I'm not married in the same way that you are married. I'm not a dad in the same way many of you are dads. And I don't know what it's like to raise kids. I don't know what it's like to fight every day to stay married. Our lives are different. There are parallels, but they're different. And being a mom and a dad today is more difficult than I, I really think I could imagine. Don't dismiss me because I haven't done it. I mean, I'm pretty perceptive. And the very thing that the Lord has called me away from, he's asked me as a priest to make the obsession of my life, that I've been called to contemplate day in and day out the mystery of the family and how it's meant by God to be an image on earth of his triune life, that I as a priest am called and called away from my own family so that I can serve you and your family and figure out ways to constantly bridge you and the Lord and make your family holier, And even though it seems right now that in our church, even though it seems that there's plenty of bishops and cardinals and members of the hierarchy who are getting fitted for their own millstone necklaces, men who have denied their sacred vows and turned their backs on the Lord Jesus, despite that, that does not strip me as a priest of the right and the authority to speak truth into your lives on behalf of God like as a father, that's what I want to do today. I want to speak from my own fatherly heart into your lives because this gospel today is intense and we really need to hear from the heart of the Father what this is about. This is not meek and mild Jesus, gentle Jesus who just wants everyone to be kind to each other. This is, this is the far-reaching consequences of love, right? This is tough love. This is Jesus, the lover, the warrior, who is willing to do anything to spend eternity with us. You know, we modern Americans, we modern Christians, we really don't like talking about hell or the idea that it exists or the fact that people can go there. But the reality is, it exists and it's possible to go there. And the words about hell, the person who speaks about hell the most in the New Testament out of anybody else is Jesus himself. We don't like that. And we think, how could, come on, would, would a good and all-loving God really send people to hell? The answer to that question is no, because God does not send people to hell. There's not like a lever like we imagine where he pulls and there's a trap door and people go down to that other place. That's not how it works. People aren't sent to hell. They go there of their own free will and free accord. Because God has given us this amazing gift of free will, where we are free to choose him or choose not him choose life, love, and truth, or we're free to choose death and indifference and lies. Hell is real, and it's really possible to go there. And what is there when I speak of hell? What is that? It's not the childish image of fire and pitchfork-wielding demons. It's not that. It's the state of eternal separation from God, the permanent, non-repentable state of being eternally separated from Love itself, and truth itself, and beauty itself. Which is why I've heard this week, multiple times, and maybe it's because I've been cued in because of this gospel. But when people joke and say things like, you know, I- in jest, referring to something that they've just done or something they've just said, or you know, oh, I'm oh, I'm going to hell. Like it's it's actually not funny. Like if we only knew. It is so awful, which is why Jesus can say unblinkingly that it's better for you to hobble into heaven without a hand, without a foot, without an eye, than it is to preserve these things for for Gehenna, for hell. It's awful. You know, parents, I want to speak to you for a moment. The Lord has entrusted your children to you. You are stewards of their souls, and This is why, as your father, I want to turn the intention of this homily to you, because this is what the Lord has put on my heart this week. You know, I can remember my parents, especially my dad, as I was growing up, telling me all the time, especially when I was angry about something that they wouldn't let me do or wouldn't let me have or wouldn't let me see or when I felt something was unjust, when I was being denied something, I can remember them saying just this refrain that we're not your friends. We don't care if you don't like us right now. As I storm upstairs, I don't like you. We're not your friends. I don't care if you don't like us. I can remember them saying that, you know, and as, as now, as an almost 30-year-old man, as a friend of my parents, as a friend of my dad and mom, I can look back on my childhood in all of those tantrums, those moments, with such gratitude, honest to God, such gratitude that my parents, my parents were vigilant and uncool. (laughs) They were not like my friend's parents who were very permissive and were very interested in being their kids' friends. You know, the Lord says whoever causes one of these little ones to sin Better would it be if a millstone were tied around his neck and cast into the sea. There's an image of Roman execution, these massive several hundred pound stones being tied around the neck and you're thrown into the sea to drown. Look, we can cause other people to sin by what we do and what we fail to do. And for you who are parents, there will come a day when you stand before God in judgment and you have to make an accounting for your life for what you did and what you failed to do. Both personally and as a parent for your child, for your children. And there'll be nothing for you to hide behind. All, this, all the excuses in the world will dry up and they'll be found lacking. And God will look at you and ask you, like, were you a good steward of that little soul that I gave you? Those little ones. What did you do? To shepherd these little souls, these little ones, how did you form them and guide them and mold them and protect them from evil? How did you orient their lives towards me? How did you protect their hearts from being exposed to spiritual poison? You will be held accountable for what you did and what you failed to do, just as I, as a priest, will be held accountable for the homilies that I preached and the homilies that I didn't preach, the ministry that I did and what I didn't do. And it's so easy as a priest to just focus on preaching the things that make me popular, make me likable. It's really hard to stand in front of a group of adults, men and women who have kids and families and struggles, and to poke a very sensitive button to say, are you doing enough? There are a lot of places in your kids' lives, that you have to be vigilant as a parent. And there's so many that we could talk about. There's so many I could dive into. But I'm only going to focus in on one area. It's an area where I see parents, not necessarily you or you or you, but a lot of parents of this generation. It's an area where I see a lot of parents falling asleep at the post, at their post, and failing. I'm speaking specifically about the way that your kids use and have technology, especially their smartphones and internet usage, all of that stuff. And I just, as your father, as someone who really loves you and wants your good and wants the good of your family and your good and your children, I just want to ask you some questions about this. Do you, as a parent, do you claim a right and authority to see and monitor your kids' phones, laptops, iPads, Xbox accounts those sorts of things like have you ever touched your your teenage daughter's phone your teenage son's phone have you ever said let me see that do you claim that authority do you do you ever take their phones like randomly like search and seizure do you ever take their stuff their technology randomly to look at it to peruse it see what's going on there do you allow them to have these technologies in their own rooms and in their private spaces where they can't be monitored like, do, do, you, do you know what apps they have, what apps they use? And do you know what those apps are for, what they were designed for? Like, have you, ever seen, have you ever seen your sons, have you ever seen your daughter's Instagram account? Or even their Finsta, right? That's the thing, they have these fake Instagram accounts. Have you seen their Visco page? Have you seen their Tumblr? Have you seen, like, their Snapchat? Have you, at, have you looked at this? Have you said, hey, I need to look at that? Have you seen what they post? Have you seen... Who is direct messaging them? Who they're direct messaging, the DMs, right? Have you looked at this? Are you proactively protecting them? This is the point. Are you proactively protecting them from developing life-determining habits? Habits that will absolutely, that's not my opinion, not the opinion of a priest, but habits that will absolutely, based on neuroscience, Habits that will cripple their ability to love and to flourish. Because there is a multi-billion dollar industry of human exploitation that is just so happy to have unfettered, unblocked, 24-7 access to your children's very impressionable, very moldable brains via their smartphones, iPads, laptops, all of that stuff. Why? So that these companies can develop addictions in them and fuel an industry that grosses more than every, other, every major sports franchise combined. Like, do, do you know that according to the most recent data, the average age of exposure for a child to explicit content on the internet is nine years old? That it's searching for them do you know that a lot of these companies that I'm speaking about, these companies buy up domain names on the internet, they'll, they'll buy up the popular toys or movie characters or movies or TV characters, all of these things, like taglines or, or, or tags that are associated with youth culture, they'll buy up these areas of the internet and associate them, they'll connect them to explicit sites. So that things are they 're actively seeking to reach your child they 're proactively attempting to get them to see stuff that they shouldn 't because they want to shape their brain. This is serious, right this is heavy, and i don 't usually preach like this or preach about this or on this level, but the pro, the point is this that kids do not have the capacity to know what 's really good for them that 's why they have parents they don 't know how to make long term investment through short-term sacrifice they're creatures of the moment creatures of habit creatures of immediate gratification and it's your job as their mom and their dad to help train them in delay gratification to steer them to provide guardrails to be uncool and to say this is not good for you you must protect them you must protect them you must be willing to have the difficult and awkward conversations not not just once not just twice, not just three times, but again and again and again to revisit these topics that matter so, so much. Keep talking. Keep talking. Don't think that just a talk, the talk, is all that's necessary. Gosh, it's not. It is not. Because your silence on these issues, these si- your silence on these very difficult topics does not mean that they're not going to hear it. It just means that someone else who does not love your child is going to get to frame the narrative for them. You must be willing to be uncool. You must be ready for them to hate you and be mad at you and angry with you. You must be willing to amputate. Here's the point of the gospel. This is where the rubber meets the road for you as moms and dads. You've got to be willing to amputate things in their lives. No, I'm sorry. You you need to not have your phone for a little while. Like as your dad, I can see that you literally can't put it down. You are addicted. No, I'm sorry. You, you can't have your own iPad. You can't have your own laptop, and you certainly can't have them in your own room. I'm not. I'm not crazy. No, I'm sorry. You cannot hang out with those friends. You can't watch that movie. You can't date that boy. You can't see that girl. I'm sorry. No. It's a tough call, but it's what you're called to. I want to leave you with some practical, um, practical advice and practical things. So parents, what I want you to do right now is I know you have phones and I know you have something to write with, so I want you to get out your phones or something to write with and write down these few things. First, I want to recommend two books. The first book is called The Porn Myth. It's by Matt Fradd, F-R-A-D-D. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. The second book is called, especially if you have daughters, teenage daughters, it's called American Girls, The Secret Lives of American, of the American Teenager. It's by Nancy Jo Sales. The second thing I want to recommend is a website that's a secular, non-religious uh, website called fightthenewdrug.org. I want you to go to that website. I want you to start exploring articles, watch the videos, learn, educate yourself. Third, I want to encourage you... Um, to install a filtering software on all of your devices as a family go to CovenantEyes.com CovenantEyes.com install it put it on all your stuff because if you don't have any type of filtering software you are simply opening the door for your child's heart for anybody and everything to get in and the last thing I want to offer you is a talk uh, to help you figure out how to really have some good, tough conversations with your kids. So, um, I want to invite you to go to my Vimeo page. So, www.vimeo.com, V I M E O.com, backslash Father Patrick Schultz. So, you spell all that out. Uh, that's S C H U L T Z. And there's a talk that I posted there by Christopher West that's called Beyond the Talk Sharing God's Plan for Sexuality with Your Kids. Friends, the Lord said, whoever causes one of these little ones to sin, better at Millstone. I don't want anyone here wearing Millstone necklaces. I want us to step up, to step up to the plate and to do more because we're called to more. May we do that. May we do that today. Amen.
1: I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power I was covered in sin and shame I heard mercy call my